boils and ghouls. Turn out the lights. And keep the popcorn coming. Because it's time for another episode of Fright Fights Podcast. Fright Fights, Fights Podcast. Get ready for your gore gang. Tyler Cavett, Chris Lax, and Mike McKinney tackling horror news, reviews, and fight for their survival. Coming to you from the Fright Fights Fear Lodge. Get ready to sink your fangs into a battle that will make your blood run cold. This is Fright Fights. Is Fright Fights. Like Zoans, guys. Have you ever heard of the Fry Fights podcast? It's streaming now. Go listen. Zoinks. Welcome back to Fry Fights, everybody. We uh, just got done watching the trailer to the, the, the last trailer to the new Halloween ends. And um, surprisingly, this is going to be the only trailer they have left for. It was like two teasers and then this trailer. Uh, so what is your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, so this trailer is a lot better than the last one. Um, I was actually talking to Mike before the show about how we thought whenever the the trailer itself, the first the first teaser trailer that is of this most um, recent Halloween film, whenever it came out, we were really kind of like excited, of course, because you know Halloween's coming out. But at the same time, it really kind of was not giving us you know finale vibes to this story of you know laurie strode and the shape so i was not really necessarily enthralled by it but the most recent trailer man it delivers it is killing it what did you guys think it it looks good it looks good but at the same time the last two halloween movies their trailers made those films look good too and i ended up not liking either of those well i mean yeah piggybacking off of that yeah Okay. No, I, I really enjoyed 2018. I did really, really enjoy that. Halloween Kills. To, I wanted to like it, but it was, God, it was hard to watch after a while. When I saw it in theaters, I enjoyed it. But then re-watching it a second time and a third time, I was like, this is bad. Um, and there was a lot of like one-liners. The uh, evil must die tonight. That that was just played out too badly. It It... I think Halloween Kills was bad. So I feel like they're going to go all out on ends here because, I mean, the trailer looked really dark and really scary. And Michael Myers is like superhuman again. Like, I mean, this is his last go. So um, I really like they they gave a little bit more in depth with what's kind of happening with the so-called rumors of the copycat, you know, I hope they don't do it, but I think it is leaning towards that. So, I mean, we'll see here in a, a few weeks. So, uh, but I really enjoyed the last trailer. Yeah. The scene where she pulls his mask off when he's yeah. laying down, that's gotta be the scene where she finds out that it's the copycat killer. Yep. Um, and then like Michael will be standing behind her ready to fight her or something. Uh, but, did you all catch the screen <laughs> reference? No. no, no, 
So in the the 2022 Scream Five or whatever you want to call it, um, if you remember whenever Gail Weathers and them is talking there or, or Dewey, I can't remember whose character says it, but they're talking about the the ghost face. And you're like, no, this one feels different. They do the same thing in this trailer, where Jamie Lee Curtis's character is like, no, no, this one's different. This one's different. It's like they had oh, to no. trying to trying to take stuff from Scream because Scream was successful. Yeah, I mean, I that does that. actually make sense because if you remember, they were filming this um, Halloween Ends. They were filming that while Scream 5 was in theaters. So it kind of makes you wonder if, like, David Gordon Green and, like, some friends went out to watch Scream 5 and just saw that and, like, happened to, like, catch that. And I was like, you know what? That's a great line for Laurie to say. And What they all- should do, there, there really should be a moment in this movie where one of the characters is watching the original Scream and Michael shows up on screen, like behind the person watching Scream, similar to how they did it in Scream, where Michael, where the ghost face shows up while the person's watching Halloween. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> but you know, there's something at the end too. If you catch that, um, she says, you know, maybe I need to die to kill him. So it kind of goes back in, like with like the mythos and the lore that Halloween Six kind of gave us, and like you know, throughout the entire series, obviously. Lori has been his number one target, always the final girl that's sitting there. So if we look at that, they've been connected so many times before. And I think even in like, you know, in this exact film, I think this would be the moment where they're like, you know, in order for him to be killed once and for all, maybe Lori has to go too. So that's something interesting. Maybe there's no defeating him without her dying. I'm curious on how they're going to do the co- or like this, how this individual's going to, is he going to be like just copycatting Michael Myers or is he going to be playing side by side with Michael Myers? Like my thing is like, how is I this think, role? I think there'll going be a couple place? of death scenes, a couple of death scenes that are very reminiscent of the original kills from the original Halloween. You saw in the trailer, there's a scene where the, he has the girl stabbed up against the wall like he right. did like Bob in the original. I think it'll be the cop, the copycat killer that does that. He'll be imitating... But, one, but wonder what his reason Halloween is. Film. wonder what his reasoning is. That's, like, I guess maybe where I'm leaning towards. Like, why is he doing this? Yeah, that's, that's the question that we're all going to find out soon, I guess. Yeah. And it also makes you wonder if they're going to throw us for a loop and, and it not be a copycat, but something else. Maybe they're they're working on something that we don't really know about yet. Well, it's almost kind of like on uh, Halloween 4, where uh, Daniel Harris's character at the end was like kind of the copycat where she stabbed her stepmom at the very end that led into Halloween 5. It's like, are they going that direction? Like, I, I, I'm really curious on what they're going to do with this movie. Oh yeah, that's one I'm definitely looking forward to. Um, Hellraiser trailer came out. That looks great. Have you guys seen that one? Yeah. That one looks really, really good. Um, Then we had the Munsters that came out today, which I'm not watched yet. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to watch yet, but I'm I'm looking forward to that. I'm so, so pumped. And apparently everybody in the entire world hates Jeepers Creepers 3. Oh, all four. Sorry, Jeepers Creepers 4. Sorry, Jeepers Creepers Reborn. Apparently, it's the worst movie ever made. Well, I mean, 
I've not seen any of them since Jeepers Creepers 2, and I've not watched any of those since I've been a kid. So I'm not for sure even where... The, have you guys seen the third one? I, I did, unfortunately. That bad. Huh? I didn't think it was that bad. I, it, it's definitely worse than the second one, but it's not like a horrible, horrible movie or anything. I didn't care for it. No. It was like a... It felt like a very sci-fi original film is what the third one felt like. Yeah. Well, I mean, he had to fund that all himself because the studio it's him, the, the studio was not going to fund it anymore for him. So I think that most of the money was coming from like crowd backing, right? Like himself. For the new one? For like the third and the fourth. Well, the third one was made by Victor Salva. Part yeah. four was not. Part oh, no way. Yeah, it has. Uh, apparently, they they sold the right, or he sold the rights, or got the rights released, or whatever, for them to make a new one. And apparently, it has nothing to do with him, what at all, whatsoever. That's interesting, because Victor Salva was such like a big part of Cheapers Creepers, in you know all these years. Yeah, so, huh? unfortunately, <laughs> I know. <laughs> cool. All right. Well. um, any other news that you guys have checked out that has been interesting to you? Oh, um, did you guys hear about Scanners? They're turning Scanners into a TV series for HBO Max. No, I never heard no. that. No. Yeah, it's going to be, uh, I don't know if it's going to be like produced by Cronenberg, but apparently he's going to have his involvement somehow. It'll be a TV series on HBO Max of the Scanners universe. Interesting. Huh. That is really interesting because I love scanners and there's obviously been several different scanner movies come out. So I wonder if it's going to go back to, I wonder if it's going to build on what we already know about scanners or if it's going to like do its own thing. That's interesting. I don't know. I, I think it'll probably do it. It'll take the lore of like the scanners idea and kind of spin it in its own direction. Give us a whole backstory of all the stuff and then go with it. I don't think it'll be like based from the movies or anything. Yeah, which might be the best thing they could really do for that um, series. That way, they can kind of like reincarnate their own kind of spit on it to to kind of go with the lore, but not have to focus necessarily on like continuity issues or anything. Which is like a big problem with a lot of these series that becomes from movies to series. I guess I would say. All right, guys. So I know we watched some stuff this week. Um, has anybody watched Dahmer yet? Oh yes. Uh, well, started. You started it? Okay, well, I don't want to like... Well, here's the thing. We, we all know how it ends, so I'm, I'm, I'll bring yeah. up some really good points to it. Um, whenever I heard about the show being announced, Dahmer, I was really kind of like, okay, whatever. Well, there's been like literally like, what, a dozen different you know incarnations of a Dahmer show, a Dahmer documentary, a Dahmer movie. We've had like tons of options come out over the years. And none of them really seemed to capture truly the type of person Dahmer was, or maybe it does, and it doesn't capture like the the effects of the aftermath, or maybe it does capture that too. It's not going to capture you know the people that it directly affected, like the victims and victims' families. So none of them really cover all three bases very well. Um, so myself being like a super 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 unintrigued person when it comes to like ryan murphy stuff whenever i heard he was going to try something dama related 
and Ryan Murphy was attached to it, I definitely was not interested one bit. Then the trailer came. Um, I don't know if you guys have watched the trailer before the, the show came out, but man, that trailer was really, really interesting. And I knew from the moment that came out that it would be something that was really different. And man, whenever I turned it on, it definitely was. Um, it has Ryan Murphy showrunning it. Um, Ian Britton, which actually worked with him for Scream Queens. If you guys have watched that, Scream Queens is a really, really fun show. Um, this wasn't, but the thing about it is, is that the first 15, 20 minutes of episode number one was really, really like, I would say just pure terror. Um, we see Dahmer, the sound. So, it, okay. So without giving away too much, if anybody hasn't watched this yet, because it is a very new show, because I just finished it yesterday. Um, essentially, it doesn't really have a lot of like gratuitous gore. I mean, like there are moments that are definitely disturbing, but the thing about it is, is it doesn't just focus on Dahmer and his murders. It focuses more on the community surrounding him. So if we look at it, we have Nisi Nash, which plays his um, his neighbor. And essentially, Nisi Nash playing Glinda hears something happening in the apartment next door. And we don't really know what it is, but she's like really disturbed by the sound she hears, the screams, stuff like that. And what eventually happens is that she confronts Jeffrey Dahmer as he's leaving and asks him, like, you know, Jeff, that smell that comes from your apartment is absolutely horrible. And he just makes up like excuses to what it is. So knowing who Jeffrey Dahmer was and seeing that kind of happen on screen, like how he interacts with the people in his apartment building, it was very disturbing to say the least. But something that was really interesting about the show is I really don't like the fact that a lot of people with Dahmer kind of like romanticize his killings or romanticize him as a person. And this didn't necessarily do that this is a much better job kind of focusing on the community um it kind of talks about how the police poorly handled it it kind of talks about you know essentially the victims and the victims aren't necessarily like romanticized either but i'm telling you there was a moment in the in the show like i think it was episode six that we get to meet one of his victims before like he has they basically laid out his entire life goals and everything you meet his family immediate how he carries himself throughout the day and it's sad it's like really really like hard to watch because you you know what's going to happen to him and one thing that i did find interesting too is that jeff is caught and he is arrested in like episode seven but this is a 10 episode series so really for one of the first times ever in filmmaking we get to see three solid episodes after he's arrested and kind of like the aftermath that leaves on the community around him. So, and it's just absolutely brilliantly done. It's very tastefully done. It definitely doesn't go too, too deep into like, you know, showing these victims. Cause I know there are, there has actually been some like kind of like pushback on this series being made because ultimately a lot of people got offended by the fact that they kind of like showed, you know, each victim very close to like who they were. And that's something that a lot of the victims families did not like or did not appreciate them doing. 
but watching this, they do a pretty tasteful job of it. Um, overall, it's very accurate. There are some things that's changed. Like I know, for example, um, Dahmer really liked watching The Exorcist 3. They said that he really got in the mood to kill from watching that. So in the show, he watched The Exorcist 3 right before he kills the first victim. So I think that like little details like that really spoke like, you know, wonders for the show in terms of being historically accurate now of course like there are some things that's maybe bending the truth a little bit but overall it does stay pretty close to where it needs to so um definitely would recommend if you were watching like one Dahmer show because they are very hard to get through this is definitely the one um evan peters is absolutely brilliant um nisi nash plays a really brilliant character as well it tells the story absolutely beautifully to a t what it needed to be and i would i would highly recommend it for sure um definitely not an easy watch though but i would easily give this an eight out of ten it's probably the best Dahmer adaptation of all time and all this talking about jeffrey Dahmer is really making me hungry oh yeah <laughs> uh, there was actually a um a version of Dahmer that was made back in the early 2000s that uh, they had like a chain of uh, movies that came out around that same time it was like Dahmer, gacy um a few other ones as well i think there was like three or four different ones that came out uh those were actually pretty decent adaptations of the stories as well i don't know if you've ever seen any of those but mm-hmm. um, i haven't seen i haven't seen this new one yet though but it, the way you describe it, it it definitely seems like they're sticking to like the actual story of what really happened and everything and it seems really interesting i, I need to watch it i just haven't had a chance yet yeah i mean they, they focus like i said yeah. they focus very heavily on the aftermath the last third of the entire series literally is just them showing him in jail showing the effects that his family has and that's something like it, it's very hard because you really whenever it comes down to Dahmer, a lot of these people who like are they, it shows the obsession is what it does so for example, in like episode eight, I think it is, he's in jail. He receives letters from fans. So he's getting like fan mail in jail as like a serial killer. So like a lot of people really, really found like Dahmer to be weirdly attractive. It's like low-key, like Stockholm syndrome kind of like stuff without them actually being the victims. They just think that it's they like the entire like idea of what Jeffrey had did, the way he looked, kind of like damsel in distress almost. And this is obviously he committed absolutely horrible crimes against these victims. So it's just something that's really like tough to tell the story about, but it's something they did a really good job because without like giving too much to Dahmer as like a sympathetic villain because obviously we can't really sympathize with Dahmer because while he is shown to come from a broken home in the show and his family love him very dearly he has a grandmother in the show that absolutely is just like basically like praising him and like rooting him on even though he keeps spelling um over and over and over again and his dad was right there by his side you could really see how Dahmer's crimes really affects them. Um, there's like yeah. this really chilling scene in episode, like I think seven, where they set down um, Dahmer's dad, which is um, played by Richard Jenkins. And Richard Jenkins is sitting there and they're like, we have something we need to tell you. You sat down for this. And so he sits down and was like, what's going on? Is it about Jeffrey? And they're like, yes, um, 
I'm going to let you collect yourself for a few minutes because what I'm going to tell you is going to be very difficult to hear. And they were like, okay, is he alive? Is he okay? Has he been murdered? What's going on? And they're like, we have found that in Jeff's apartment that there were multiple bodies soaked in acid. There were body parts ahead in the refrigerator. And there are very, very strong like instances to where they believe that he could have been eating his victims. And the way that the camera just kind of pans over to Richard Jenkins, Jeffrey's dad's face, it's just like haunting because he had a look on like his face that's absolutely just, I guess the only look that you could give in that moment, finding out that your kid has literally been like killing people, soaking them in acid, doing experiments on them, um, like botched lobotomies, all this kind of stuff. And like being able to hear that for the first time and taking it in and the way that was just done was so, so, so careful. And you could really tell that they didn't try to like rush any moment of it. And I think a lot of people that have been reading about too, who's watched this say it's paced kind of weirdly. Like the show itself is not necessarily the quickest kind of like snappiest concise show it could be. But at the same time, I think that it's very important that they take their time with these um, episodes because it really, really, really goes deep diving into Jeffrey Dahmer's entire like legacy and his family and like the people around him, the victims, the victims' families and the, the trial, everything about it is covered so carefully. So it's it's definitely recommend. Have you said you have seen some of it, Mike? Where are you at on it? I'm on episode three. I've so I've just started. But real quick, you know Richard Jenkins, he's a terrible father in movies because he was a shitty father to Brendan and Dell Dobak, you know, and Step Brothers. <laughs> and then you got him being the father of Jeffrey Dahmer. So like, there's something wrong with that guy. But no, all jokes <laughs> aside, it's kind of what you said. It's it's more of a slow paced um, show that doesn't give you too much of what I've seen so far. Like, I, like I said, I'm only on episode three, but it, episode one kind of throws you right into it. And, um, you know, you think of Jeffrey Dahmer, like the history on him, you think it would show pretty graphical, you know, gruesome, gory, images but it doesn't it kind of it plays the role of like you said it, it kind of goes around the surrounding actors or the surrounding uh you know like the neighbor uh the the mother gives a little bit of a backstory on like how his father and mother were very like argumentative like when like growing up like they were al always arguing and uh so like there was a lot that played a role on jeffrey dahmer at a young age because i don't think he had he had a good home supportive family, but then he didn't, you know, it's kind of like his mother and father, didn't they get a divorce or didn't he, wasn't she crazy or something like that? Or, uh, yeah. So chronically throughout the series, um, Jeffrey's dad always blames Jeffrey's problems on yeah. his mother saying that yeah. she was on, I think like 20, like five, maybe 30 medications when she was mm -hmm. pregnant with Jeffrey. So back then they were blaming the entire thing that maybe Jeffrey was 
clinically insane because his mother was on so many medications and she was insane. But then his dad was a scientist and you kind of see Jeffrey Dahmer and his dad go out and they collect roadkill and they start like yeah. cutting up the roadkill and like experimenting and like doing like scientific research on them. And Jeffrey never really showed interest in anything before he started doing that. And it kind right. of shows him going together as a bonding experience. His dad thought was going on but ultimately it wasn't necessarily a bonding experience later on in life because that's kind of like what preceded was obviously the course of attacks that was the foundation that's what kind of kick-started it uh, absolutely and uh you know um it's kind of odd like you know i'm not saying like you know you definitely want to have bonding experiences with your mother and father but like going up and picking up roadkill that's kind of freaking odd so I, I don't know chemically I, there's something wrong with him in the beginning. You can tell even at a young age though, he had a different think or a thinking process, you know, so there was def, definitely something wrong with the little, the, the, him as a little boy, mm-hmm. but um, going into um, the third episode, I think a really, <laughs> I think there, there's a lot that's missed on the neighbor the woman that plays uh his neighbor in the beginning Nisi Nash yeah um, yes the... well played I thought she did fantastic up to the point where I've seen like I said I've only seen two full episodes but everything I've kind of read she plays a fantastic part throughout the, the whole series mm-hmm. so uh, you've seen it all I don't know if she gets like if there's more of her in episode three through ten but um Everybody praises her as an actress and as the role that she plays in the in the show. But yeah, I'm definitely uh, excited to finish the episode. Um, he's a weird, odd, creepy dude that um, it's just something about him, just something about his presence that's kind of like scary, this vibe that he just gives off. And like in the very first episode, when he's just walking down the hallway by himself, and the neighbor op- opens up the door and she's like, says something to him about the way his apartment smells. And I think he said, I had some old pork chops or something like that that went bad. And you know, it was just the way he looked at her and creepy, like his, like the way he like mentioned and talked about the, the meat going bad. Just something so small sounded so, the vibe that he gave off, just like, I got goosebumps watching it. So mm-hmm. um, it, it's it's a very good episode and I'm really excited to finish it. Um, but like you said, it, it doesn't go too gory or anything like that up to the point where I'm at. So I'm definitely looking forward to finishing that sh- the, the episode. Yeah, it's very tough because it's like I, like I mentioned before, it's not super gratuitous in terms of the gore. Yeah. There are a lot of very, very disturbing moments and there definitely are a lot of like gory moments as well. But it doesn't yeah. necessarily one thing that they did tastefully, and you know this is Ryan Murphy we're talking about here. He's usually not that tasteful, but something was very carefully done with Dahmer to where they didn't want to show the victims. They didn't show the victims being murdered. Of course, they did show them like after they had been murdered, but the actual scenes themselves where the murders were taking place, they were very careful not to show that. And you know, yeah. and it, it was so accurate and so interesting that I guess this actually happened. John Wayne Gacy was caught like 10 years before Jeffrey Dahmer had been caught. And in like the last couple episodes, you almost see like a competition between Dahmer and Gacy, both in prison 
And it's funny because they're like, well, it wasn't funny, but it's it's kind of interesting because Dahmer on one side was like, you know, I'm I keep getting compared to Gacy, but I'm nothing like Gacy. Gacy is this, and Gacy, you know, says that he um can't control his urges to kill people. Meanwhile, I and he's found God or whatever, but I feel like God will never forgive me. And you know, whenever you think about like serial killers and their like psychology. A lot of times, like they they kill because they get attention for it, and they have these impulses to kill. But at the end of the day, they want people to like talk about them. They have like some kind of weird void that they've not fulfilled in their life, to where they've not gotten the attention as a kid, or maybe they have some trauma based, or maybe they're just psychologically not feeling like you know a hundred percent heard. And a lot of these times that serial killers have been studied, they always say like, hey, they want that attention from people. They want to say, hey, John Wayne Gacy is an absolute psychopathic murderer. He killed all these people. You know, he raped young boys. He did this. He did that. All these things. And they kind of like that. Like they they get like this high off of that. And I love yeah. the very last episode. And this is not giving away anything, Mike. So you don't have to worry about like. It's just this is just something that was very interesting. I found was it explores that kind of like feud between John Wayne Gacy and Jeffrey Dahmer, and it goes oh, into wow. details about how they were like almost like in a competition to like see you know who could be like held on a highest yeah. pedestal. So I'm like, you know, that's like truly like psychopathic, and that's how you yeah. get somebody who's absolutely clinically insane. But I don't know. You kind of do feel for you don't really feel for Jeffrey Dahmer at the end, but I will say you do definitely feel for the family. You feel yeah. for the victims. You feel for the the people that were affected by it, because it does go through a lot of PTSD and trauma. Um, a lot of people is really struggling apparently to this day um, with the Olympics. They they wanted to build a park in the same location Jeffrey Dahmer's house was the apartment building. They tore it down. And they wanted to put a memorial park there. And because that a lot of the people that were murdered were marginalized, um, you know, black, um, some it's any kind of like oppressed kind of group that Jeffrey targeted, like he absolutely did. Yeah. Um, the reason the park isn't there, and they claim this at the very end of the show too, is because of that. And to this day, uh-huh. they're still fighting for a memorial to be built for the victims. And the city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, is still not interested in memorializing any of these people that was killed by Dahmer. So I think that that was also something really interesting they put in at the end of the show, too. So, um, hmm. yeah, definitely. Um, I know we've spoke a lot about it, but there's still a lot that we've not mentioned. Definitely no spoilers um, at all. Yeah. So that's how deep this show gets. This is just scratching the surface level. So I do recommend that anybody who's into, like, true crime... Um, if you like, you know, if you like Murphy's stuff, this is definitely different for him, but it's something you might want to check out. So overall, eight out of ten, like I said, it's pretty good. I like the more most people like to like the documentary style version, like the Netflix shows and stuff. I like the more slasher-esque violent ways that they portray them. Um, but I mean, the a good documentary style version of it is good too. I just I'm not I, I it it's different. It's something that I'd have to be really into. Chris Lax doesn't like any of that garbage. Speaking of garbage, Thomas Lacey giving him a shout out. What what a piece of crap he is. 
Uh, I don't know if you guys have been uh, keeping up with this or not, but uh, on Shutter, they've been doing a uh, 101 scariest movie moments of all time uh, TV series. And I've been keeping up with that. They have three episodes out right now, and they're leading up to one a week up till Halloween, counting down those t- uh, those titles. And there's been a lot of movies that I have actually never seen before that's on this list. Uh, that's got me really Ugh. intrigued on it. There was one movie in particular, and if you've been following them, you would know exactly what I'm talking about, too. Um, it's a foreign film. It's called Terrified. And uh, the scene that they yeah. pick out for being a scary movie is there's a there's supposedly like a, a dead child that uh, that comes back from the grave. And the, the parents find him sitting at a dinner table just sitting there completely silent not moving and they don't know what's going on because they they're just you know so traumatized from just burying their son and then all of a sudden he's sitting there at the dinner table and uh and it's a really long sequence that they show of like the the detective comes and starts to look at the body and try to figure out like how it got there who put it there and the entire time all you see in the background is just this dead kid just sitting in the chair at this table not moving but it's really really creepy and you're just waiting for that moment for that kid to just move like slightly turn its head and just or to say something or do something it's it's very atmospheric and just very creepy and very unsettling um and from that that particular scene like i want to see the movie and i think it's like an anthology film where like multiple things happen and that just happens to be one moment from the film um but there's been several movies that they've showed that I that I've mm. never seen that I'm really intrigued on, and that just being the biggest one so far. Um, have you guys checked it out yet? And uh, what do you guys think about their lists? Because that the list is very, it's very strange. They they go from having something like the original Wolfman up, like a scene from the original Wolfman up in like number ninety eight mm-hmm. or something like that, all the way to having Child's Play listed at like eighty something. So it's very a very strange list um, that they have right now because who knows what's going to be on from like the the moment that they're going now all the way down to number one. I I know what you're talking about. I've seen it on Shutter. I've not watched it yet. Um, yeah, I love those lists. Though. They're always fun. They're always really good to get in the mood for you know the Halloween season as well. I have watched Terrified. Um, the movie that you were talking about, and I will say it was it was pretty scary. It was it was solid. It is foreign language film, um, so it's I think it's from Argentina. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. Um, but it has the first five minutes. The opening sequence um, is it scared the crap out of me. There's something about the scene that you just mentioned was terrifying. Hence the name terrified. And the very first like <laughs> opening sequences has to the showers. All I'm gonna say, there's a shower sequence, and I uh, uh, oh they, my god, they they show they show that scene as well uh, when they're talking about it. It's very strange too because it looks fake, but I think they use like practical effects for it, and it's really it's just a very odd looking moment when there's a there's a scene where this they walk into the bathroom and there's this lady in the shower. And she's being, it's either possessed or something's happening to her. And she's being slammed back and forth mm-hmm. in the shower and just hitting the walls. And like every time she hits the wall, 
you see like the blood sprout out sprout out from her and it just it's very very creepy and very weird and i'm i really want to check that movie out like it's everybody that i've heard talk <clears throat> about this list that they're talking about um has mentioned terrified and they're saying that's the one movie that they've never seen from this list and that that's the one that they're going to seek out and watch and it's it's got me intrigued well see terrified was a yeah. shutter original i don't know if it's still on shutter i'm assuming it is um i have to check to make sure but i don't want to tell the listeners that it's on there but it's not but it was initially it premiered at some film festival like a foreign language film festival i'm not for sure it was in america or not and people were talking like great things about it like they were speaking like hey you know 10 out of 10 this is fantastic it scared the crap out of me so i know that eventually it got picked up by shutter people slowly started watching it and never really had like its big moment but it was like it was scary and it did find a very like small niche audience before it kind of like went away and this is like you said like three or four years ago so i'm glad that this show has kind of like reemerged the you know the interest in seeking that out and watching it because it it is pretty good i mean it's pretty solid it is it's scary too yeah it was i think it was on like a list with you know like how they say sinister is like the scariest movie of all time you know, like those lists yeah. that come out, they're like, oh, Sinister is yeah. horrible. Which, I mean, yeah. I, I will say Sinister is kind of scary. Um, but that used to be on those lists. Like back when it first came out, like in 2018, 2019, there for a couple of years, they were putting them like in the top 10 scariest movies of all time. Was terrified, one of them. So it's it's one to, one to see for the Halloween season, for sure. Yeah. No, is Terrified the one with like the clown? Is that no. the... What, what, is no, that? what, what am I thinking? You're thinking of Terrifier. That's it. Mm. Okay. 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 Gotcha. Yeah, have you you've seen Terrifier, Mike? No, I definitely want to. Yeah, I definitely check want it to out. see it. It's supposed to come yeah, out you, with like another one, right? Like a second one. Yeah. Yeah, you need to see the first one. It is the beginning of the film of Terrifier was really creepy, yeah. um, very unsettling. The character of I can't remember the character like the the clown's name, Terrifier's like clown name. Art the clown. But it's art. Yes, thank you. Uh, very very creepy clown. Um, and then it goes from being really creepy to being like extremely violent, extremely gory, and it's really good. It's a really fun film. Yeah, gotcha. That would definitely be on my list to watch. Definitely check it out. And if you like it and you're wanting more, Terrifier 2 is coming out. And then also before yeah. that, it was based off of a character off the anthology um, movie All Hallows Eve, I think it was. All Hallows Eve, yeah. All Hallows that, Eve. That's where he first appeared was that anthology. And people liked him so much, they decided to do his own movie. And yeah. I mean, rightfully right. so. He's a scary dude. Every couple of years, there's a movie that comes along that really divides horror fans like on one side people love it on the other side people is like eh, i didn't get it and i can understand this next film that i'm going to talk about why it was divided and i think that you've seen this too mike um but it's very very interesting very fun it's called barbarian oh yeah and i will say personally i thought this film was absolutely gangbusters a win um super super fun to watch it had a non-traditional story um layout so overall it's not necessarily like a three-act structure it's more of like a four maybe even five-act structure 
but essentially this basically starts out and here's the thing here's the thing before i even get into this i want to you know give this to the audience that this film is not one that you want to go into and know much about um it's the least you know about it the better it's going to be so i definitely recommend 100 watching this before listening to this review because i don't want to i chris I, you haven't seen it have you no i have not i hate i don't want to spoil it for you though i really want to you have plans on seeing it i'll watch it but you can talk as much about it as you'd like it's okay you sure yep okay well okay spoil so get that it. fucker yeah that's right that's right <laughs> well, here's a sport but here's another like little tidbit too the title itself low-key is kind of a spoiler what do you think of when you think of barbarian you know that's kind of where this goes so essentially what happens is we have bill skarsgård and the main woman what's her name um georgina campbell so georgina campbell bill skarsgård they find out they have rented the same exact airbnb and bill skarsgård shows his phone to her she sees that it's rented out by him bill you know she shows her phone to bill skarsgård's character she's rented out the same exact room the same exact night they try everything in their power to like find out exactly what's going on and how this happened they use two different sites and it kind of like plays the first 20 minutes like a cat and mouse kind of like high intensity super like is there going to be a serial killer moment happening here? Is she luring? Is he luring her in? Because it kind of plays out like, you want to have some wine with me? Come inside, sit down. And you're just waiting for that big moment to happen. And you know, obviously Bill Skarsgård played Pennywise, so that he already has that kind of like endearing, kind of like enchanting, I guess, charm about him. And he uses that same charm to kind of, you know, hoist in her so you're just waiting for this moment to happen and eventually they realize that it's already gotten so late there's a convention happening in town um there's no way to find a place within x amount of miles it's just way too far and too hard to access so they do something that she really doesn't want to do and she decides to stay the night um he convinces her that she can have the you know she can have the guest room in the house he'll sleep on the couch she can lock the door she can you know check him check all of his ids whatever she needs so yeah so she checks his id um everything kind of matches up pretty well she sleeps in the room uh, locks the door next thing you know she wakes up in the middle of the night after trusting him and sees that the door swings open just by itself miraculously is he trying to kill her is the house haunted what's going on so she gets up checks around the corner there's nothing but we do hear like bill skarsgård's character almost having a nightmare so you're like okay we're gonna do like an m night Shyamalan kind of twist here and you know make this like where he has like sundowner syndrome or something well literally she goes over to him he's laying down asleep you know making those weird noises as before she wakes him up he's like what's going on i don't know what's going on like, you know why'd you wake me up for you just walk over to me and she's like no you're making weird noises i don't know what's happening and then ask him did you open my door he says no and she's like well my door was open so on and so forth fast forwarding 
they, she decides to stay there another night with him because obviously she's in town for a couple nights. They both booked it for a few nights. So they, they made the same arrangements again. Second night, she she sleeps through the... I think she sleeps out that night. I'm not for sure. I can't remember how that went. But I know that she goes downstairs to the basement. And this is where the story really changes gears. It becomes from something that was almost like, was there going to be a serial killer? Was there going to be a killing? And she she sees that there is this weird passageway inside like the basement. She walks back through there, reluctantly that is, finds a hidden room. This hidden room has like a cot. It has like a camera. It has like really soiled kind of looking like sheets laying everywhere, almost like blood splattered. Really, really weird stuff had happened there. She knew it was bad. And she immediately, I mean, one thing I will say this movie does really well is they cover their tracks very well. They didn't necessarily make you question like, hey, is this character making a dumb decision or are they making a smart decision? Because she immediately says, nope. And she goes right back upstairs. And also, you know, as you remember by Mac before, when she first met Bill Skarsgård's character, she did the same exact thing. So this character is very well educated and knew how to make her decisions. So this is not something that, you know, oh, well, she should have known this. She should have known that because she's really, really making like some smart moves. But eventually she goes back down because she gets locked in, tries to find her way out. Long story short, she finds a second passage. This passage goes into almost like catacombs, almost like maybe, I don't know if it was like maybe probably like an underground railroad or a catacomb or what exactly. There was definitely like a hidden corridor built underneath this house. Um, not to mention, to back up quickly, she's actually located in this Airbnb in Detroit. Detroit is obviously an area that's not necessarily the safest in America. So these houses all around her were completely like decaying and dilapidated. They definitely were not houses that you could like, you know, live in. So this was like a lone house on a lone street. She goes back to these catacombs and this is where the story changes. She sees something running after her. She runs out. She escapes. Ask the guy that she's staying with. I think his name is David to go back in and check it out. Well, he starts getting dragged. You know, we don't really know why, what's going on. Um, essentially, she ends up finding him. He's captive. There is a barbarian. That is the big like hook of the story. There is a woman that had lost her child, and she basically is feeding on the fact that she doesn't have her child anymore and wants to find it. Like she wants to have a child to care for her. She's watching like nursing videos on this botched TV that's underneath the house. She's basically has bottles of her breast milk that she's prepared. And one of the most disturbing scenes that really got me was whenever there's another character that comes later on, but I want to fast forward to tell you this because it was so funny, but she like, he's like, ba-ba, ba-ba, ba-ba. And, this character is like literally trapped underneath like this like i don't know like a cage almost and she's like just drink the fucking bottle and she he's he's like i'm not drinking that i'm not drinking that and he she literally like shoved it in his mouth and he like started sucking on this bottle of like breast milk from her which was absolutely repulsive that is absolutely disgusting i know god 
well anyway before i get too far in that this the story essentially ends for them they're stuck down there um you know she rips the head off of bill skarsgård's character he's dead and she's basically just down there story ends you're only halfway through we change gears it's miami just along enters the story and the guy that just along plays he's definitely like a really grimy dude he's not somebody that you necessarily want to hang out with on a weekend he's done some things that he's being accused for um as like a he's like a hotshot hollywood basically and his career's ending because of these things he's being alleged done um so essentially his character goes to the house because he owns it and he wants to liquidate his estate because he's necessarily not going to have much money because of what's going on. He gets there and eventually finds himself in the same exact situation because a lot of the things that were left over from the house was still there. So their luggage was still there. All the other things were still there. The door was still open and he winds up finding himself underneath the, the house again in the catacombs. Um, and essentially we see this character the protagonist that was originally there and just along kind of like try to find their way through and i'm telling you i thought this thing was going to end not a bad way but this thing i thought was going to end like 15 times before it actually ended like the last 15 20 minutes was an emotional roller coaster it was brilliant it was gorgeously shot it was it was funny at times like you laughed it had like those kind of like gore effects that was really interesting to see. Um, it had like a lot of like really cool moments too, to where like the story was definitely non-linearly told. So we jump back in time, we jump forward in time. We see a lot of different characters interacting with this barbarian woman. We don't know much about her, but I think that that's something that kind of adds to the story because you don't really want to know much about her. You're more so focused on the actual characters that it's being affected by. So that's something that's really kind of cool too, because you don't get in this weird, like, oh, this is the folklore of the woman underneath the thing. You don't hear any of that. It just goes straight into it. And it's absolutely genius. I think I um, rated it an eight out of 10. Um, probably one of my like top five horrors of the, the year personally. What'd you think of it, Mike? Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I, the creepy side of it, was really done well. Um, all the acting was done. Like, I like what you said. The girl is very intelligent. Like, no, I'm not going to do this. It's too sketchy. Uh, and most, like, in most horror movies, people, like, go towards where the noise is going. You're like, oh, what is that? No, the character was very smart. Um, I wasn't expecting, like, it to be a woman that's just lost her baby, that's under this city just i don't she's not really like murdering people she's keeping them captive and like raising them quote unquote like her but it was a weird movie to me I, not that i disliked it but not that i loved it either i guess i was expecting more out of it but the ending got me i didn't like the ending um justin long's character friggin hated him he was such a douchebag, I felt like, throughout the whole movie. Um, I think he was being sounds accused. like Thomas Lacey. Ooh, yes. <laughs> the good. Da, da, da. Um, I thought you were going to say, Chris, I thought you were going to say, it sounds kind of like Tyler. 
was like touche. But yes, didn't it, it, it like movie star or somebody that's big in the out in California? And I think he's getting accused of rape. Is what I think he's getting accused of. But um, man. I guess I wanted more out of it. I guess I wanted more of a like a murderous, like a uh, a serial killer. Maybe that's what I wanted out of this, and I didn't get it, and that's why I I, I um I, I'm that's why I wasn't in love with it. Um, but it was shot well, done well. It, it was it Detroit, Michigan is where they're at. Uh, a horrible part of the town. What I what I thought it was kind of like cool about it. Remember the the individual, the character that was like he looked homeless, was screaming at the grill that she was getting in her car, and he was like, "Hey, don't go in that house." And he was like, "Come here" or whatever. And I was like, "Oh man, this guy's going to attack her and beat her up." You know who God knows what she does. He was trying to protect her, like like don't go in there because he knew that about this woman that was underground in what like what would you call it caves or just. Yeah, I would say it's probably or... like um, it's like corridors, like almost catacomby without being catacombs. Yeah, yeah well said. So, yeah, and um, he knew about this. Like it didn't give much detail on the woman, the barbarian, quote unquote. Like who is she? Where was she? Why is she down there? But only certain people knew about her. Like that guy, for example. How did he know about her? Um, I'll tell you what a really creepy part of the movie was where she's escaping and bust out of the basement window and like the barbarians chasing after her and she barely gets out of it. Oh, I and, love like, that scene. Oh my God. That was creepy. Me talking about that now goosebumps. Um, but I get, I gave it a six out of 10. Not that I hated it. I, I enjoyed it because it was well shot. It was a different, side of horror but um i don't know maybe i need to watch it again maybe maybe i'll love it because i've done that a lot whenever i've seen a movie and i i don't i didn't care for it that much and i saw it again i liked it even more i appreciate it so maybe that's one of these movies where i just have to watch it a time or two which i probably will um but yeah I mean, that's something I also liked about it, too, was the fact that it leads you to think that this is going to be one of those kind of like stalk and slash kind of films yeah. to where he like follows her. And you're like, as an audience member, you're kind of fed into that. You're, you know, you're like, OK, well, obviously, he's a nice guy. He's a little too charming, like to the point where it's yeah. a little weird because he's so charming. So I like how it feeds into that. And then I also like how on the second like day that they were there, she learns that they're like in this entire like neighborhood filled with like the one dollar homes you guys know like the one dollar homes in detroit i yeah. think that's what it's supposed to be is supposed to be basically in a sea of like the one dollar homes not one has been cared for and then just so happened just long's character owns it so then there's the barbarian underneath it has so many layers to it and it, it goes so deep that's what i personally liked about it was because it has like all those different facets of horror and it plays on each of them but it's saying, well, it's a serial killer movie, but actually, wait, 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 it's not. Here's this. And then it goes into this kind of like almost like creaturey kind of feature in a way. 
And then guess what? It's not. And then it goes into this like, oh, it's going to be a torture movie because there's a room with a camera and a cot. So is it going to be a torture movie? Is she going to be locked up by Bill Skarsgård's character? Is this the moment? Nope. It's not going to be it. Well, do they escape? Yeah, sure. They escaped. But then next thing you know, just along like picks her up and throws her off the side. I'm like, wow. And this is like me like going a little too deep. But like, let me tell you, I just thought that the way it changed like subgenres of horror so many times that's kind of like what like dr- like you know drug me into like really liking it it really enthralled me as a viewer so that's what i liked about it. i like whenever like my, my personal like, taste in horror is whenever one of the like subgenres of horror can be done in a way that we've not really seen too much before or something that can like kind of play on standard like horror tropes but lead you to think one thing but it actually does another i kind of like how like the weird kind of takes some play so i think that's like what barbarian did perfectly it really played into the different subgenres of horror it told the story in a way that was very untraditional there was multiple acts instead of just three act structure there was never like the showdown at the end like we thought there was going to be and we see the protagonist we think's gonna die we think she's gonna live we think she's gonna die again it's just like a roller coaster. So that's really what I liked about it overall. So, I mean, maybe your expectation for it, the only thing I can think of was maybe like your expectation was it was going to be like one of those kind of like films that kind of led you to believe at the very beginning. And we didn't get that. You know what I mean? Right, right. I think it's a lot yeah. of people, a lot of people I've heard talk about it say like, hey, we were led to believe like, you know, the first 20 minutes was going to be the film. And whenever they found out that that's not necessarily what it was going to be at all, right. I, was, I was like, is Bill Skarsgård, like, they call it barbarian because the things that Bill Skarsgård does to her is barbaric? That's kind of like what I was thinking, maybe. But the yeah, fact that we good. literally had a barbarian, like an actual one, <laughs> it was like, okay, they delivered on that title. That's it. Here yeah. we go. Oh, they, they most definitely did on that. Yeah, I, I, I will not disagree on that. All right, welcome to the Fright Fights battle. This time we chose To Be Terror. This was Mike's choice for films this week. And basically all three of us had to choose movies that were associated on the streaming service of Tubi. And so I chose a film called Night of Something Strange. And strange it is, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, so how do I describe this film? Um, it is basically a zombie film but the plot is pretty much an std turns people into rapey killing zombies and a group of kids are held up in a hotel or motel and they are figuring out a way to get away from these rapey zombies um that's basically the only way to describe this film it's it's very ridiculous. It's very over the top. Um, it starts off with a guy who decides that he likes necrophilia. So he works at a morgue. He takes advantage of a body inside the morgue. And the body is, it had something wrong with it. It had some type of contamination of some sort. Uh, uh, I think it said something along the lines of like STD virus contamination of something on the tag. And from that, he's exposed to this uh, mutation of an STD that causes him to turn into a zombie of some sort. But he needs to rape 
people to get his almost uh, the equivalent of eating brains i'm guessing uh so in, instead of zombies eating brains to satisfy their hunger they're eating uh, they yeah they have to do some type of sexual act of some sort to to fill their hunger uh, yeah. and it just goes on and on and, and the cool thing about the movie is it's not just one thing that happens and it happens for the rest of the movie is that the way that they do it changes every single time so for instance the zombies don't just like rape somebody and that happens every single time they actually like they turn into different type of monsters that come out like one at one particular time um the one of the women like this weird like vagina monster it comes out of this lady and starts attacking people um we get a penis monster uh we get um <laughs> what's the, like one of the women like opens up her dress and like this gas emits from her it's like a poison gas that comes out of her it's there's so, i don't i'm not doing a very good very good job of explaining this but what we see is so ridiculous and over the top it's really hard to explain um the first time this is the second time i've seen this movie but the first time i watched it i couldn't comprehend everything that was happening i just knew that i was having fun watching it uh, and it was so funny, but watching it this time around, I was kind of grossed out by a little by a few of the things. The, what did what did you guys think of this? Before I get any further into the description of it, I just like how they had to kill the character, the, the monsters. <laughs> oh, like, don't just, they they don't just like shoot them in the head like most zombies when they die. They have to shoot them in the dick or the vagina. Like it's <laughs> yeah. like. <laughs> Like it's it's a wild ride. It almost reminds me of it's 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 a fun movie. It really is. It don't go too far into this like expecting a super scary serious movie because that's not what you're going to get. But it's almost kind of like the comedy of uh, Tucker and Dale and uh, Evil Dead like ish, you know, um, mixed. But um, I. I mean, to me, this is a no-brainer. It's a sit down and enjoy kind of a funny, you know, gory. There is a lot of nudity, so our younger crowd, it's not uh, suggested. But um, it's it's a flick that is just so humorous and um, it's fun. It's it's just a fun movie. Um, yeah. It's, every yeah, joke it, that it, happens. It, Every joke that happens in the film has something to do with 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 sex. It's very, yeah. it's it's very hard onto the the sex jokes. Like everything about it. Like there's a scene, <laughs> fucking hilarious scene, where this guy mistakes um, his friend, this, oh, this, yes. this fat dude, <laughs> he mistakes him for his girlfriend, um, yes. and. I don't want to spoil anything about it because if you haven't seen it, you I want you to be surprised by it. But um, he, a lot of mistakes happen, and like it's like mistake after mistake after mistake for this guy. And have you ever seen uh, like two dogs that get kind of stuck to each other? That, <laughs> that's, that's that's what happens in this movie. Um, it's so awkward to like to to sit there and watch. Uh, but basically, these two guys get stuck to each other, and one of them is 
is dead. One of them is not not alive, and he turns <laughs> into one of the zombies, and it's just it's so funny. And it comes out of nowhere too because like you don't expect that scene to happen because other things have already happened through the movie, and they still go there. They go further and further with every scene, and it's yeah. it's it's hilarious. I can't describe it anymore. Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. I love you guys. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I the thing is, is like all three of our films is I kind of like go side by side too, because they're all films that were recommended to me at a horror convention in the same year. So this film was actually recommended to me by the filmmaker himself the same year that my pick was and the same year that your pick was Mike. So that gets kind of interesting. Yeah. But, um, definitely not one that I would talk about the plot. Um, I think that whenever you have a film like this, it's definitely not something we could really even like say like, Oh, we're going to review the plot of this movie. Cause obviously <laughs> it's, it's not really one of those, but I did find there to be like one or two scenes where I did laugh. Um, the funny, like, I don't know why, but w- the first thing that really, really got me was whenever they went into the, the gas station on the way and they were trying to, that one girl was trying to use the bathroom and walks <laughs> like, Oh, do you have a bathroom key? He's like, you better clean it up. Cause you high school girls bleed like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. But I was like, one of those, <laughs> she had literally, I don't know who wrote that comeback, but she had like the best comeback one liner in the entire movie. It was like, a big mouthful. And that really got me. Um, the humor itself, I don't know. There was something about it that was very like juvenile to me, like the, the, yes. the jokes were. And the thing was, is at by the end of it, I felt like it was like beating like a like, like a dead horse. It was like, you know, it kept like hitting that same like like potty mouth kind of like potty humor or like kind of like you know, the weird like kind of like like the the, the, the mindless kind of stuff. And it just kept hitting that over and over and over and over and over again. So I did find a few things like really funny about it. But by the end, I was like, man, they just keep hitting this at the same time over and over and over again. So that's something that I didn't like. They use a lot of practical effects. Like whenever they had the, the penis monster or the vagina monster, it was actual practical effects. And it was really like cheesy and low budget. It was just fun. I, I know that you're more you, you don't like the whole like cheesy level of stuff, Tyler, but it's just more of me and Mike's kind of film. Yeah, not for hey. me, not for me. You throw some bad looking vag- vagina and penis monsters in it. I'm gonna laugh. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That scene that I'm talking about with the vagina monster, like I know what you you're talking about. You don't see it, but the girl's laying down on the floor, and you think she's dead. You think they've killed her, and then just her legs pop up, and the legs oh start moving God, around yeah. like sideways, and then like they spread so that the vagina monster like pops out. And I can't the believe I'm even talking about this, but <laughs> it's it's I don't I can't describe it, but it's so funny. It's it's uh, you, you said it the best style. It's very juvenileish, but with that being said, I was entertained. I laughed, and I want. I didn't want the movie to end, especially okay. So at the end of it, we, we're, I'm spoiling this movie because like it's it's stupid anyways. Like you're gonna laugh at it. So you know, in horror films, whenever they like in, in parody and spoof films, when 
at the very end of it, somebody always gets hit by a car to like to end the movie, like scary <laughs> movie did. So it did that. It took that approach where like at the end of it, somebody gets hit by a car. And then it goes even further to the person that witnessed him get hit by a car runs away and then gets hit by a car themselves. It's like, it's so over the top. It's so ridiculous. And it's, it's fun. It's all thing I can say is it's fun. And I don't know how you didn't find it fun, Tyler. That's the thing. It's just like, I can get down with like films that's kind of like mindless, kind of like beer and pizza, hang out with your friends, watch it, kind of like laugh about it kind of thing. But for me, I don't know what it was. Like the the humor didn't really translate for me as super unique. I don't know what it was, but it was just like, I felt like I did laugh. Okay. I will admit, like I said, I laughed a few times at it, but there was just something about the way it was presented over and over again. I think like the first 10 minutes also left a bad taste in my mouth too. Just the way it was like shot. Probably the wrong yeah. word after watching this show. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that really, yeah, that kind of like made me like, no, immediately, like ah. so I mean, it's just uh... like, how could you not laugh at one of the characters getting denied by his girlfriend so he goes to jerk off by a dumpster bends <laughs> down and hits his head on the dumpster and knocks him out only to wake up hours later and then continue where he left off well he was trying to remember what he was doing remember he he did it bonked his head went down woke up was like wait what was that's right and then, goes <laughs> yeah. and then that like old man the old man comes up and is just like, what are you over here doing? Kind of thing. And I'm like, man. And the thing about it, the one thing I will say, it's funny, you know, like the kind of like 70s and 80s kind of like comedy moments in horror movies to where it's kind of like the last chance gas station and they have the attendant sitting outside and they're like, oh, you boys better not go into them there woods because back back in 1947, this is what happened. Kind of like, Del, like, like, you know, Mike said, Tucker and Dell. And I kind of did like that kind of trope. So I'm wondering if the filmmakers meant to kind of play it almost like horror tropes. I don't know. See, that's that particular, uh, the character is the only thing that I didn't like about the movie because he's one of those like red herrings where every time you see him in film, you, you feel like something's up with him. You feel like something's not quite right. Like there's something bad going on and he's responsible for it. Um, and you don't know what it is yet. But then uh, it, it keeps happening over and over and over again. He runs into each character and you're like, at the end of it, you're just like, well, maybe he is a good person. Maybe he is going to. And then and then it switches tones again and he turns out to be somebody bad. And I didn't like that. I was kind of wanting him to be from where you think he's the bad person the entire time. I wanted him to turn out to be good. And they kind of switched that around on you and they made him a villain. <laughs> I mean... I, I cannot, I'm telling you guys, I cannot dissect this plot. I don't think, there was no, there was it's no. A basic, it's, a, it, it's a basic zombie film. It, instead of shoot him in the head, it's kick him in the nuts. He literally says that to him. He well, hey, like, I, need a sh I need a shirt like that. <laughs> <laughs> I need a shirt. I need a shirt. You need to market that. And I, oh my god! Oh, instead, Jesus, I... instead of shoot him in the head, kick him in the nuts. Yeah, shoot him in the head, kick him in the nuts. 
Oh my god! I'm telling you guys, I'm, I I don't know how we're sitting right here, even trying to like review the plot. Because I the thing is, it's such like a paper thin kind of concept. You really have to just say, did you? The the question should be, did you guys have fun watching it? And it's kind of like yes or no kind of thing. And I think that a lot of people honestly would say they they did enjoy a lot of the comedy. Some people may have an issue with the way it was presented. I kind of had issues with both. I think that obviously it's going to be one of those sink or swim things. And the thing about it was, is it definitely was made for that convention audience. You know, in my head, the way I see this film, it felt like one of those things that you would watch at midnight, kind of like in the, you know, every single convention you go to has the screening rooms. I feel like that's kind of like something that would play at like at midnight at the screening room, whenever like you're like half drunk and like you have a couple like friends there and you guys are just like trying to like, oh, what's what's this? Maybe let's just go watch it. And you kind of just like chill and like crack up and watch it. And that's kind of like where it would probably succeed the most to me. But just like watching it now without that kind of like context to it, that's kind of like where it lost me. It just felt like all the characters to me were and here's the thing when i say they're overacting i think they're overacting even in the comedy moments like some of like the main like the main characters i forgot their names but the guy um especially like the guy we're talking about that was like next to the the dumpster i felt like he even was like overacting when it came to like his jokes like obviously i don't i don't think he was overacting i think he was just bad acting that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a nice way of putting it. But it's just like, yeah, it's just like overall, like the the bar is at like zero um for all this. So it's again, if you're if you're listening to this and you you will immediately know us just talking about it if you're gonna like it or not. Because I think there are people out there who would really like this film, but I know that there are also be people out there who's like definitely not gonna be into it. So it's definitely like I said, one of those things, did it sink or did it swim? And it's gonna be one or the other. I I I think it's a very underrated film. It's a hidden gem. I think. <laughs> it needs to be seen by more people. It's the cast it's definitely of a movie. The 2020s. It's it's definitely a movie you want to see with your 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 first date. You know, like out of the gate. <laughs> if they're still there, they're still there. The first ten minutes, they're a keeper. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, do I got oh, a God. film for you. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen? <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and put, I'm gonna change my Facebook um, profile bio to just be like my favorite movie is Night of Something Strange. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. If you're I'm gonna put the trailer to this movie up on the Fright Fights Facebook page, and I want people to comment on what they think about this movie's trailer to see oh, if they'd be yes, interested in watching it. Yes. They're gonna say. I, I think they're gonna say no. No, you're wrong, Tyler. I'm telling you, they're gonna <laughs> say no. They're, they're okay. They're gonna be like, okay, yeah, ha, that sounds great. They'll turn it on, and then after, here's the thing: some people might, like I said, but I'm just saying they're probably gonna be like, oh yeah, that's gonna be great, and then they're gonna watch it, and then they're not gonna like it. And then Chris, that's gonna be your fault. <laughs> I'll take I'll take all credit for you. If I can get one more person to like this movie, one more person. Mike liked it. I, I know I really, me. It. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Oh, gee, you guys! I thought it was hilarious. I thought it was hilarious. I told Mike. I told Mike. I said. I, I said, Mike. Uh, I'm sorry to, that you all have to watch this movie because the opening scene is uh, necrophilia, 
And he goes, oh, no, I'm not going to like it. <sighs> and then he ended up loving it. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I was expecting, like, well, let's just say after Chris told me that, I was like, this is going to be bad. It's going to be terrible. And then right when it started, I was like, man, this kind of has a comic side of, like, kind of a Tucker and Dill type of feel atmosphere. N- not on that level, but, like, you know, it was going to be kind of, like, comical. And, uh, by God, it was it's, it's a hidden gem. It's a hidden gem. Well, let's just say this film is not a horror film necessarily. Like, okay, there's zombies no. in it that makes a horror, but this is definitely – 80 to 90 percent comedy it's not comedy it's, yeah it's absolutely. yeah just comedy absolutely. yeah comedy first it's comedy horror um now tyler this is something that only me and you are gonna know this of nobody else that's listening or anybody will ever know anything about this but the main character like the the buff dude that played his i think his character name is dirk or Derek or something mm-hmm. um he reminds me of a person we know by the name of andrew brammer Oh my gosh! Yes, I he can see that. He sounds and looks just like him, and I, the entire time <laughs> that I was watching the movie, he's the only person I could think of. <laughs> <laughs> I never, I, I, I did not make that connection, but yeah, that makes complete sense. It's kind of funny too. It, also, if you know Andrew, it's kind of like, you know. yeah, he would totally be that same person too. Yes, like, <laughs> that's, that's how I seen it. Watch him like Western Wrist and be like, I'm gonna watch that. And then he's gonna like message us like sometime like six months from now. It's like I finally watched that movie. You guys said that I looked like that guy. But yeah, I I, I could definitely see that. I, I don't know how or what else there really is to to talk about with the movie because it's it's such a simple plot, uh, very basic, just everything taken to the extreme. They you take one scenario and you just hide everything to the most ridiculous, stupid stuff you could think of. And the most, like you were saying, the most juvenile jokes um, to put into it. But all around, I had a lot of fun watching the movie. The first time I watched it, loved it. The second time I watched it, a little grossed out by a few things. And I was really worried about what you all were going to think of. Listen, Chris literally messaged me 20 minutes after he said that that's going to be his movie pick and said, Tyler, comma, you are not going to like this, period. (laughs) And sent it to me. So I was, I was already, I already knew where this was going in my head because I remember the guy, the director come up to me. I remember this. I remember it like yesterday. The director came up to me, had the Blu-ray in his hand, and eagerly approached me and was like, "Do you like horror comedies?" And I'm like, oh, "Kind of. What do you got?" Kind of thing. And he's like, oh, "This movie here." And he was like, at the same time, he had the Blu-ray up and he was like shaking it and he was like, "Would you buy my movie?" And I said, "That's a no." Walked away. That's the last I ever heard from it. I thought I escaped it and I would never have to watch it in my <laughs> life. I mean, Chris picks it and then texts me and says, Hey, Tyler, you're not going to like this, Sin. <laughs> uh, it's fun. It's just a fun movie. Um, I, I'm giving it a six out of 10. And the reason that I give it a six, um, it was a really fun film. Lots of entertainment to it. There was the jokes were really funny, but I'm not going to go any higher because there was a lot of over the top stupidness with it as well. There were some really gross moments in it that I didn't care for that I thought were too like almost too over the top that kind of disgusted me. Um, but I mean, the movie starts right off the beginning of it, like it right at the get go, stuff is happening and it doesn't really slow down much. 
there's always stuff throughout the entire film from start to finish to keep you entertained. Um, I would, I would gladly go back to this, uh, every once in a while to watch it again. Uh, that's, that's how entertaining I thought it was. So six out of 10 for me. Wow. Mike, it better be uh, below a six. It better not be higher. Yeah. If it's a, it's, it can, Mike, listen to me. It cannot it's be a higher. 10 than of, I'm just joking. It's a 10. No. Um, I, I gave it a little bit below. I gave it a five because it's it's really funny. It, it's more of a comic, a comical than a scary movie. Um, so, which I typically like. I, I like <laughs> funny, scary movies. But the only reason I gave it a five, which that's higher than what I really thought I would give it going into it, is because there was a lot. Black's kind of nailed it. There was a lot of over the top, disgusting images or acts in the movie that kind of is borderline disturbing could some viewers could see it that way so i have to you know on, on a respect level to all viewers it's not something for everyone but it is very funny if you can just go into it on a a thought process of not trying to be degrading to anyone it, it's a funny movie it's it is good. It's, I mean, it's, it's decently well shot as well. But the reason I gave it a five is because there, there could be a lot of like major issues. Some people watching this and have a lot of question because of the contents in it, because, uh, you know, some of the, some of the, some of the scenes are, like I said, pretty bad, but overall I could watch this again, especially like with a group of buddies just laughing and you know having a good time. It, it's a good, it's a good, funny, scary movie. So I gave it a five out of ten because I did enjoy it and uh, I did laugh. I laughed more through that movie than I did some comical, like some funny movies. So, um, so yeah, five out of ten. Tyler, ah, uh, do you want you guys? Want, okay, okay, fine. All right, so. I felt like, okay, so to determine my score, here's my thinking. I think that it's a film that was made exclusively based off of the shock factor. I think they were just trying to be, the filmmakers were like, you know, let's just try to make this really edgy. Let's try to make this like really like kind of like gross out insane. So it's when we do something like that, it's like, okay, well, was it good or was it bad? For me, I did laugh a couple times, so I couldn't just give it like, you know, my lowest score of a one. But I also just felt like the comedy in it was so juvenile. It definitely didn't have much substance to it. There was obviously no plot, really. I mean, there was a very loose plot at that. So overall, it's like <laughs> all those things that is going on with it. It's just like, man, I don't want to be too. No, no. Here's okay. Here's the thing. I honestly, thinking about it, would probably give it a two. And that I think that would be pretty like fair for like the way i'm seeing it because it could be a one because i did God, enjoy it. i have seen so many so many horrible films but this was my life. But that, that's but this is bad it's not bad <laughs> it's not a bad movie this is one of them well okay so give me okay so give me an example of like what you would say is like a one 
Uh, like I a, have a movie called Death by VHS, which is god awful. I've never seen. There that is a movie all. called Curse of the Headless Horseman that is god awful. The Evil Woods, god awful. <laughs> I mean, there's <laughs> Not so many. There's so many movies that I have that are barely even films that you can't even you probably can't even qualify them as actual movies that I've seen. This is nowhere near that level know, of filmmaking. I know what you're talking about. I think for me, the big thing that I had an issue with was the fact that the filmmakers again was trying to just like bring on like a shock factor. It wasn't just about like the comedy. It was like, okay, well, we're trying to make something that's really funny. We're trying to make something that really appeals to like convention goers. We're trying to make something that appeals to horror fans. We're trying to reference all these like you know, kind of like almost like an it follows kind of feel to it. Honestly. But, it is very graphic. I'll give you that. There's a lot of graphic stuff to it. There's a lot of over-the-top shock value moments. Uh, but I think that's what makes the movie fun, uh, especially with the creatures that they came up with. Like the the zombies have these way that they kill people. Like it, it's a different creative way to kill somebody instead of doing the same thing over and over and over again. Like they were like, oh, we could just be a zombie film and just have them eat the people each time. No, let's make it this. And then like, oh, well, instead of having them do this every single time, let's have every single time they kill somebody be a different way. So let's, this time the, the creature's going to come out of This time it's going to be them exploding onto them or something. This time it'll be the blood dripping onto them that causes <clears throat> the effect. This is the gas effect. Like there's so many different things that they use and it gets worse and worse and worse leading up to like the monster parts at the end of it. And I just thought it was really cr like clever way to to take a zombie film and turn it into something different. I mean, I will give you that the kills were creative. I don't think I've ever seen really any film that did some of the kills they had in here. And I did laugh a few times with the kills, and that's what made the film like better than a one to me. Was those couple like creativity moments of like the kills, a few like comedy moments. But overall, like some of that stuff, like was really to the point where it was so over the top and just horrible, like, like just bad, like poorly. Not even like to the point where being over. You know, like how like some like films like go over the top for comedy and it lands. It was like okay, well, this was really really a funny scene, and the characters like did it so well, and the actors were like so good at it that it was actually really funny. And it's bad, yes, but it's funny. For me something about watching this one when i was when i was actually like seeing a lot of the jokes it didn't feel like a lot of them like really landed to me like sometimes like they were trying to make it funny but i feel like the actors they had was like drawn from a pool of like such like little experience in acting or something that they couldn't even like pull off the funny likeness to the jokes uh, you know i'll give saying? you this so the actual like dialogue jokes None of those worked at all. Those right. were not funny. The The part that I liked was the physical jokes. Everything they had to do with, with physical acting with like the comedy aspect, if that makes sense. No, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. The the, the moments that was like over the top, like almost like just stupid. It's like stupid, like mindless comedy, like pulled off from like practical effects. That Those were like goofy, funny, and interesting. It was just like everything that they said never really landed for me but whenever you think about a film like horror or comedy especially like you would think that they could pull off a few like one-liners and there was like one or two like i mentioned they did make me laugh but overall like I, it just felt like 
after like the same joke was told a couple times, it was very like repetitive. Because I mean, like essentially, what happens is like, like you mentioned, like the it's an STD, and they like it causes them like have like uncontrollable sex to like fulfill their need to like live as like these like sex zombies. And if you think about that and put that into perspective, it can only be done so many times until it's not like that funny anymore. They try to make it creative enough to where it continued to be funny, but I think that you can only have so many variations of these zombie, like sex zombies doing sexual acts and like goofy, like potty humor until it gets like very like conniving almost. I don't know. I could I could see that I could see it. It's for me. I think the the comedy of the physical stuff, like the zombie stuff, the creatures outweighs the jokes, like the bad jokes. Uh, so I think that's why I liked it more than you did. We gave it a six. So that is that. I mean, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good score. That's not... what. What is your official score? Your official rating. My official rating, I've got a two. I've got to go two. That's that's two. exactly that's exactly how I felt about it. Okay, he's okay. pissed. I'm I'm changing my rating on your film right now. <laughs> 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 no, so that uh that is uh C six five and two so uh thirteen <laughs> a score of thirteen. Oh I my think gosh. that's the lowest score of uh, any film so far on the on the show. But Chris, you, that Tyler. could be that could, no, that could be a good thing because some people that like listen to our show probably are looking for something that's like low, like rated, kind of like good, like comedy horror. Yeah, and like some people really dig that. So maybe having a lower score actually, in a weird way, would benefit. And what if what if this ends up winning? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, hope I hope it does. I hope it does. Chris is going to score big on the will and we're all going like, to lose points and somehow this is going to win with 13. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> all right. Well, Mike, do you want to go with your pick? Sure. Uh, I'm going to do a little reverse here. I'm going to see what you all thought, but I'll go ahead and give a kind of a summary of, of the movie first. Okay. So mm-hmm. basically um, the barn, it was a shot, I think in 2016. Um, it's it's um, Halloween. I think it's 1989. Um, best buddies. I think their names were Sam and Josh, and they're trying to enjoy their the last their final what they call Devil's Night before graduating high school. Um, but trouble, like you know, starts when the two pals, a group of friends. I think they're going to a rock concert, and they take a detour. So when they take the detour to the concert they go to like this old abandoned field or they're going to a town and think they were stopping for, they, they were going to try to stop for something, but go to this old abandoned uh, town where this barn is. Um, and the barn holds this evil presence of these three, um, I guess, uh, demons. You have the, um, I think it was the scarecrow, the candy corn, um, God, uh, uh, Candy Corn Scarecrow, the Boogeyman, and the uh, Hollow Jack. I think that's what their names were. But um, but it's up to Sam and Josh to protect their friends and defeat these creatures. Um, I really loved the 80s vibe to this because anything like 80-ish feel, I'm going to be a huge fan of. And 
yes, the acting is pretty. There's some parts that are really terrible, but um, it, it to me it, it was a fun movie. But I'm going to stop there. I want to I want to do a, rever- a reverse roll here. I want to see what you guys saw of this movie. Then I will piggyback off of that. I'm going to make a lot of enemies tonight. Show um, <laughs> here's the thing. I have a horror hot take, and this is my horror hot take, and this is just how I feel. I've tried to not like say anything to like other horror fans about this over the years. Um, but it's just something that I've noticed as a common reoccurrence. And this uh, th- this is kind of like a preface to the film because uh, this has nothing to necessarily do with the film's success, but something about it having stars from like 19 like 70s 80s even some like 90s horror films it's always a red flag so like anytime i see a movie coming out that has like super like has been stars like i should say like very like was very popular known for like a really big like horror franchise or series or something like that and they are in that film again and that film is coming out like years and years later but it's different and they just have like cameo appearances it's always like really convoluted i guess you would say there's just something about it so this film has linnea quigley doing a cameo um it also has Arya lima doing a cameo which was the first jason and let me tell you there was just something about seeing them i'm like okay we can all agree we're horror fans we love horror movies you don't need to put Ari Lehman and Lene Quigley in like cameo roles for us to like your movie. I like a lot of modern horror movies. I like a lot of like super old school horror movies from like the 20s and 30s and 40s. I love like slasher films from the 70s and the 80s, the 90s. I like all kinds of films. So just because you put a like horror like icon that we may have known in your story as like kind of like a cameo is it gonna make us like it anymore i just wanted to get that out of the way because it's something that i always see like modern horror films try to do that's always like crowdfunded and i think what it is is they really are trying to like crowdfund these movies to get them made and they think if they attach that name to them that they're going to get the funding for it but ultimately they don't really have much to do with the film at all it's just them appearing as a cameo character and they're kind of just in and out and honestly it's kind of a poorly acted cameo character every single time every time that Linnea Quigley has made anything the last decade I feel like it's just been absolutely horribly acted she's definitely not in it anymore she's definitely not necessarily a great character actor either she's a great actress she has it in her but she has not been given the roles past like cameos it feels like almost lately so there's something about that that really like always turns me off. I just wanted to say that up front, but um, yeah, oh, I know I know exactly what you mean. Uh, it's right? Her her cameo in this film, Linnea Quigley's cameo, it's very cringeworthy. And the first because I've seen this movie twice now as well, <clears throat> and both times I watched it, I was I was cringy. And you could take that character out of the film, and it would not have any. It would not hurt the film in, at all. It would not hurt it in any way whatsoever. It would not take away from the story. It would not add anything to it. It doesn't take away anything to it. It's just there because they wanted a name on their on their merchandise. 
Exactly. And I think that actually kind of bogged down the film. Like there were moments in the film that seemed like it was like almost like resting off this like little brief cameo of Linnea Quigley. I mean, like, and especially in the haunted house, like the little haunted thing they were trying to do. Yes. That yeah. was super, super, super horribly acted there. Yes. And, awful. I mean, okay. So aside from that, the filmmaker, um, the dude, um, Justin Seaman, he's made this he made um i think he did a couple things in anthologies for 1031 so he's done some like pretty like popular things in the horror community that's been very indie um i think that this film needs to be looked at in a perspective that we take away all the gimmicks so for me whenever we look at the film itself it's a film of horror gimmicks. It's a film that's playing off of our nostalgia as horror fans. Um, it's trying to imitate something of like horror, like the the horror video store days where it's shot with like the, the flares of like light, just kind of like a VHS tracking would have. It's shot with like kind of like the, the pixelation of like, you know, the different kinds of scratches that you'd see in like regular film. And I would like to look at it in a way that, yeah, those are great as novelties to have in your film, but when it comes down to actually judging the film by the story and like if it was fun, if it was good, I think that I want to take away from myself at least the fact of any kind of gimmick they give, like Linnea Quigley, um, Ari Lehman, the 1980s kind of like way it was shot. We have films like Summer of 84. We have films, you know, like Super Dark Times. All these films like uh, well, I don't know why you were Super Dark Times was it? It was it wasn't modern, was it? No. Am I wrong? Okay, so it was bad. Okay. So we have films like that that really didn't need to have any kind of like gimmick attached to it and those were absolutely genius. And they were very very popular, well received. So when we look at the barn it's just like, wow, okay, well, we have a film right out the gate here that's trying to to play on this weird nostalgia factor. We have a film that's trying to like add in these, you know, characters that doesn't really have any business being in this film to begin with in order to try to like sell it to people. So I don't really necessarily like they decided to do that. I think it was a fun novelty to have, but just looking at the plot itself, it was fun. Um I really did like the the aspect of how it felt very atmospheric. I love the mood it sets. And I I mean, if anything else, I think that it does a good job with that kind of 1980s kind of, you know, VHS-y kind of like gritty film feel to it. It kind of adds yeah. to the atmosphere. That's like a positive I could see in that. So yeah, while... for, for a moment, I thought we were going to disagree on the film for, the, for a minute. Um, I actually liked the film as well. I thought it was really fun. Um, I think the atmosphere of the 1980s plays really well with it. It, it feels I told Mike about it. I think it, it feels like it really did come out of the 80s yeah. um, because the, the audio, I don't know if they recorded the audio separate or not, but it feels like an Italian dubbed film from the 80s. Um, so Do you think that, that was intentional though? I don't. I don't think that was intentional. I think they recorded the audio separate from the actual film. And so whenever it overlaid with it, it just gives it that odd feeling to it. And a lot of Italian films back in the 70s and 80s had that effect. Uh, but I don't think it was done purposefully. 
but one thing I really liked about the film is you're talking about like the story, the lore that they created. They they made their own lore of Halloween characters. They have like the pumpkin man and the the scarecrow man and um they have the whole story about like you knock on the barn's door three times and it unleashes the spirits from hell uh on halloween night and they have to capture these these people who did it and drag their souls to hell for for satan to eat their flesh or whatever for a sacrifice um it was a cool plot it was it was fun it was all practical um you get the uh the, the acting isn't too bad but it's not the best. I know there's some characters in there. I know that they like the main character's dad makes an appearance and it's, it's really bad acting on his part, but, and it did take you out that little moment. I told Mike about it. Like it took me out of the film for a moment. I, I almost wanted to turn it off the first time that I watched it uh, because I thought it was going to get, I thought it was going to be like that for the whole movie. Um, but uh, you get through that moment and then you, you, you have a fun ride with the attacks. Like there's a big montage of death scenes in the, uh, in the barn uh, leading up to just the whole like third act, which is pretty much um, three or four people inside of a barn trying to get away from these, trying to kill off all three of these little demon creatures that arrive from hell. And it's all done in like a slasher esque way. So you have like multiple slashers that are always able to figure out a way to get to you and kill you. It was, it was fun. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I agree. Um, I just thought, I, I thought like for the, the aspect of the money like situation, I thought the kills were done pretty well. Um, I, I, I really like the storyline of the movie. Um, and I, I know, like like I mentioned before, anything 80s, I'm a huge fan of the 80s. 80s, early 90s, I'm going to, it's at least going to catch my attention. And this one did. Um, so for the most part, I, I this is my first time I, I saw this movie, and I'm glad I did. But um, uh, I did have a part, or I did have an issue with some of the acting in the beginning. The father the the at the house when he was talking to his son was done so badly like it was awful the um but removing bits and pieces of that i thought the movie was was a lot of fun um i thought the the demons were dressed pretty well they were pretty entertaining and for the most part i like i love the the high school atmosphere of the uh of the characters you know I I like scary movies like that, or so called like horror movies like that. So that has those those three things, you know, eighties high school, you know, group of kids, and then like one like a uh, um, multiple demons or monsters. I loved it. Um, I wouldn't say Monster Squad ish or anything like that, but I I liked where they were going with this movie. Um, so me personally. I gave this I gave this a six because I really enjoyed the barn. It was my first time watching it, and um, I, I just I liked it. It was a well done movie, uh, other than some of the acting. Yeah, I think I agree with that. You guys both mentioned kind of like the the acting with the the father. So the first half of the film, I don't know if you guys felt this way, but I thought the entire like maybe first act, so maybe like what thirty thirty five minutes. I thought it was very like kind of shaky, a little dodgy and kind of like dull, but something about it does pick up and it becomes a lot more intriguing and interesting 
And I think that the the biggest thing is is kind of like you know the lore built around the barn. Yep. But that kind of eighties throwback. So I think that's definitely something that's a big seller. Yeah, there was one thing that I thought was a little weird by it is this kid created his own lore of Halloween on like the rules of what you should do for trick or treating. And then um, there's the whole backstory oh. with those the three demon killers from the barn itself. And basically his lore falls right in place with the story of those three demons. And it's like, he didn't know anything about them at all. So like, how did he create the lore of Halloween and trick or treating and stuff with knocking on the barn's door? Like they, those two stories kind of combined, but yet he had no idea about that story until he went and did it. Like, I don't know. It was really strange. Like he gets the information from the drunk guy and the drunk guy is like, oh, those demons are going to come back and get you. And he was like, oh, tell me more about these demon things. But he's already like had the whole lore of the, the demons coming back to get people when he was telling his friends and stuff at the beginning of the film. So it was really strange that he like he knew about them. But then once it came time for the drunk person to tell him about it, he acted like he had no idea what was going on. I think that there was something really interesting, though. I don't know. I'm trying to think of like how even to describe the barn. I'm just trying to like wrap up everything I'm feeling about it because it's just like in on one aspect I really did enjoy it. I think it's fun, and maybe that's just because it it feels very fall like to me. So it's a very I'm all into getting into the mood for fall, and I think this is one of those films that you'd watch to really get in the mood. So yeah. the time of year we're watching this, Mike, is absolutely perfect. So ten out of ten to that. But um, man, some of the, like you guys have mentioned, I think the biggest part to me was the gimmicks and the acting. That's my yeah. negatives I have with it. I do enjoy how atmospheric it was. I really wish they would have recasted the priest, the, the the guy that I don't know why he was like one of the main dudes that like stood out to me. But um, let me think about a rating. You have your rating, Chris? Because I'm actually between like two. I'm kind of like back and forth. <laughs> Yeah, I'm right there with Mike. Uh, I gave this film a six out of ten as well, and I know that I gave Not as Something Strange a six, and I gave this one a six. But I like them both for very different reasons. Um, they're both, in my opinion, they're both fun films, but the funness is also very different. Uh, different aspect of fun as well. Uh, this one, the fun came from the atmosphere, the lore of the story with the Halloween characters, um, and then the 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 gore effects that they had, they had pretty really decent good like good kills uh they mm -hmm. had you know they had just the costumes of the killers were really well done and very memorable as well and i think this could actually be a franchise i know that he's working on a second movie right now yeah, um, i don't i don't know what's coming out this year yeah i don't know what the story is going to be or anything but i i think that this just based on the story and the killers alone, this could be an actual franchise years down the road that could have three, four, five, or six different ones. Yeah, I'm wondering, because I knew that the Barn 2 is coming out. That's always been something that I've kept on my radar because a lot of people have really enjoyed the Barn. So I'm wondering how they could even, like... I, I guess that what I'm thinking is, because from, like, don't they have artwork out for that? So I feel like maybe... yeah. Is it like the same kind of like characters? I think it's the same characters. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty much the same characters, but I think there's like eh, maybe like a witch or something like that involved in it or something like that. Uh, hmm. I, I, let me pull it up. Let me pull the poster of it. 
Yeah, I'm really curious because I'm I'm thinking about how they continued it on, how they were going to continue it on, I should say. And I was hearing some people talk about it before, and I knew it was maybe the same characters, but I thought they were shaking it up somehow. So I was wondering how that was going to to kind of like work out. Because like so, really yeah, there's there's like five monsters in this one now. Yeah, the original three, then there it looks like there looks like there's a pig monster. And then some type of a, I don't know, maybe like a skeleton bird looking like dinosaur. Type in the type in the barn too, and the, the poster will pop up. <laughs> a bird skeleton dinosaur. Like, well, yeah, I mean, like look at it. Like what? Like what do you all call that? It looks like maybe a a bird <laughs> or a mixture of a dinosaur. I, like I don't know. So yeah, we have like a pumpkin head. We have, I don't know if it's the same, maybe it's the same. Um, Those three in the bottom are the same, I think, yeah. The Scarecrow, too? The Scarecrow kind of looks different. If you guys are listening along, pull up the bard, too, and look at this. looking dude in the left, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking that we have two to three new characters. No, 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 no. Wait. At least two. The pig guy, I think, might actually be the most terrifying one. <laughs> you know, okay, I have a, I have a question, because there is one moment in the, not one moment, but the character, the, the Jack Lantern guy, what's it, the candy corn pumpkin guy? Candy corn, yeah. Uh, yeah, the candy corn, corn yeah. you know what I'm talking about. Um, the um, eyes, they're completely, was that CGI'd in, or how was that done, I wonder? Was that all practical? Because I heard that this was mostly completely practical, but I don't know how they pulled that off. I'm guessing maybe the guy was underneath the pumpkin, yeah, like his head was, and maybe that was on top of it. But I thought that was really interesting to see um, done practically, if it was done practically. So, um, yeah. Um, My score, I think I'm going to go, I'll go a five. I think it's right in the middle. Um, Half of it I really dug and could really appreciate definitely gets in the mood for fall the other half kind of like falls flat so i think it's right in the middle so i mean i think it's i think it's overall pretty fair i think that we all can agree that it's like one of those like films it's like good not great like it can have some problems so yeah for sure all right well that is the barn part two better than night of something strange that's a score of 17 mike you're you're in the lead (laughs) hey hey you just wait until we spell that fucking will. All right, you get yeah. a negative seven. <laughs> That'd be hilarious, though. Like if we somehow like had like a negative fourteen, and somehow that film ended up with, like a negative one. <laughs> like you just spelled it <laughs> absolute worst. We should add that into the will, like a negative fourteen, just for this film. All right, um, <clears throat> saving the best for last, guys. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Really? We're reviewing my movie again? I'm so pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, So I guess the the perfect way to start out this film is to talk about Sean Byrne. Have you guys seen The Loved Ones? No. Crickets. Crickets. Are we kidding me? Okay. um, The Loved Ones is like an Australian horror film. And whenever it came out, it really got a small release. No one had hardly seen it at all premiered in a couple like small festivals kind of just like went by the wayside and then later it found it's kind of like cult audience like 
achievement, I guess I should say. So The Loved Ones is definitely, I highly recommend it. It's a great film. Um, and it's actually Sean Byrne, the director of my film that I picked for tonight. He actually, he made that as his first film he made. So this is the second one. Um, it's called The Devil's Candy. So this film premiered 2016. Um, it does star um, Ethan Embry as the lead. Most people know him from Sweet Home Alabama. Um, I know my mom does. Um, it's kind of funny because when they premiered this film, he came to the premiere and I was there for like the premiere of it. Um, it actually was the world premiere was at horror Hound back in 2016. It was from, I, it was back whenever they were being sponsored. I think by IFC midnight was the company and he came and he was going to do a free signing and a free screening to kind of promote the film itself. And it was kind of cool to be able to sit down and actually watch the film that he started in at his first ever like horror convention he had ever done. But what was really funny about it was like half the audience was like actual horror fans that was there for horror hound. While the other half, the audience was literally just like moms that was there for Sweet Home Alabama. So like you would see like one person walk up and like meet him and like get his signature for like, I don't know, like the devil's candy or whatever. And just talk to him about like the film. And then like the other half was like, Oh my God, Sweet Home Alabama. So that was kind of funny. Uh -huh. to see. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of yeah. nice because, he was one of the only people there that actually signed for free. So that was always, it's always nice to see somebody who actually still comes to conventions that sign for free. I'm pretty sure the only one that does it now is Adam green. I'm pretty sure everybody else has charged from what I can tell. I'm pretty sure like I'm surprised that he hasn't started charging by now, but that's beside the point. But overall the film, because there's a named Jesse, it's played by Ethan Embry. Like we talked about, he's struggling to find his craft as an artist he moves into a new house alongside his daughter and wife. Um, and while the couple is warned, like when they first get to the house, that there was a death that occurred, um, they kind of just shrug it off. But later on, Jesse begins hearing sounds that are pretty much equally shrugged off from the family. Um, and, you know, it's really not until later on in the story where, like, his paintings like he focuses like heavily on the paintings and he mostly paints like positive kind of like you know like sunshine and butterfly kind of paintings but these start becoming much much darker so he goes in from like hearing these voices begins painting like more of like children in distress satanic yeah. kind of imagery um at that moment he loses all sense of time when creating his you know pictures uh you know he realizes something is very very wrong so you know there's like a random stranger one night i guess i'll fast forward to because this is actually where the, where the story really picks up so one night after he had lost himself in painting from hearing these like voices um they hear a knock on the door the child answers it their kid and it's basically this like deranged kind of weird acting man and while the man's a stranger to them he's not a stranger to like us the viewer um because the opening of the film you actually see the same man living in that same house they're at and he's playing like this guitar like the electric guitar super super loud because he's trying to drown out the voices 
that is like consuming him like demonic force almost um so it's really really interesting um i think that that's the moment the film really picks up what do you guys think about it without me going further into the plot because i do want to discuss the plot later on but i think it's kind of like at that moment in time whenever they get the first knock on the door and you realize that that man's still you know coming to the house and alive points to the daughter's tattoo which happens to be the same electric guitar that he was playing at the beginning of the film to drown out the voices and now the dad that is the father to the you know the daughter that has that tattoo of the guitar it just boom it starts it kicks it off right there i I thought the movie was really tense and like disturbing you know like it it with some like like heavy imagery of like it's not so horror based it was more kind of disturbing like you know which which i i like it was a really well done movie uh the acting was i think done very well um but it was an it, it was an intense an intense experience um the um the plot like i said you know i'll let you get into that but i thought it was very well done um i thought it was very creepy um um but 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 like i guess my only word that i could come to to think of explaining this movie uh is disturbing to me um but you know a lot better acting than it was with the other the other two films we saw more serious than the other two films uh better shot than the other two films so me um i i really enjoyed this movie but i'll let you get into the the debt part of the uh explaining the movie but i won't i won't spoil that for you i'll let chris kind of go into what he thought of it so i thought the movie could have been better as a short film um i think that it played more so as two separate stories because you have the story with the guy here in the voices and then you have the story of the kill of a, the one guy coming to the house and attacking the daughter and kidnapping the daughter. Um, I, I I don't think it played well those two stories together. It felt it felt off to me, uh, like they didn't know how to combine the stories very well. Um, so when I was watching it, I kept kind of thinking, oh well, this part with this guy hearing these voices doesn't even need to be in here it's just all the thing that they need to focus on is just this family just moved into this house and this guy out of nowhere just comes to the house and starts attacking him uh, i thought that could have been the only plot that they needed because it, it felt really really drawn out it was kind of slow um to me i didn't i couldn't get into it it was just too slow of a film for me and these type of movies are always based on having a one punch line. They build everything up from the beginning of the film all the way to have one particular thing happen at the end. And those movies usually I don't like. I like having a lot of stuff spread out throughout the beginning and have multiple things happening to these characters throughout, not just one particular thing that happens. I think for me, what really, whenever the film really picked up was whenever, because I do have an issue with the first act, especially. Um, whenever that initial knock on the door and you see him answer it. That's where I really start liking it. 
And I think the reason being is that that's the moment we really start seeing deeply into like what this is kind of we get more answers as the audience because if you think about it at the very beginning of it he's playing the guitar because he hears the voices he's driven to madness his wife gets killed and then he's still living but we think we don't know he's still living at that point but later on whenever he comes back we realize that he did live through it and he's like absolutely bonkers like he's like crazy crazy dude and the moment where it almost was like serial did you guys get kind of like a serial killer vibe from him he felt very like serial killer-esque yeah 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 i don't know if it was like more pointing towards like a serial killer movie with that well i thought there was something wrong with him like i thought he was going to be autistic (sighs) or something and have a problem that would cause him to do this um but then like you learn that he's he you know, whenever the the sheriff or whatever knocks on the on the door, and they tell him that he's playing the music too loud, he needs to turn it down, and he actually answers them and starts talking to him. You're like, well, he actually is talking normal and acting normal now, but like when he does these weird stares where he doesn't answer you for a brief moment, it's it felt like they were going a different route, and then all of a sudden he's a normal person. He just had something wrong with him. Like I don't know, it was just. It was very odd. Well, that what that is is um he's like being like demonically possessed essentially. Um, the sounds so basically he's a normal guy. <clears throat> They're all normal in this story, but what makes them act weird and act out is whenever they hear the voices from the house. So essentially, the way I yeah, took but all, it, all we hear is that like weird sound where it's like yeah, it's like a yeah. And it just sounded like a music playing, like a, an effect. It just—it didn't sound like act, like we were hearing metal, voices man. coming. It's metal. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's kind of the way I read it. So I think that yeah. it was it was supposed to be kind of like metal, but at the same yeah. time, I think also it didn't want to like tell the audience exactly because to me, I feel like it would have made the film worse. Like like a, I think it would have easily dropped a point or two on my list if they would have like had something actually in their head talking to them. Because it kind of would be a little like goofy at that point. It's like, oh, kill, 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 or something like that. I feel like that really would take away from the novelty of being able to leave some up to like your own imagination. I kind of got, you know, like Candyman. I almost got like low key Candyman vibes from the dad. Where I, can, he, I can see that. Yeah, like he was like a deranged, he was a painter who lost his craft. He was sculpting something. He really was losing everything he had in life. He couldn't get work as a as an artist. And then after the demonic possession started happening to him from moving into the house, that's when we kind of found his voice. And he didn't really find his voice. It was more so like driven to that, I guess. And I didn't feel that at all. It just it just felt like they were just scenes. Like I, I had no feeling of them being possessed or there's something in the house at all. Nothing to me. It just all of a sudden uh, he was just doing these paintings for no, there was no reason before. Yeah. He gets lost into him and loses track of time. But it, me personally, I didn't feel like there was anything causing that to happen. Well, for me, I also, on top of all that too, I really liked how it was almost like a, a character drama because like it's kind of like base i think that the devil's candy of course that is signifying toward the end whenever they're all consumed spoiler alert they're all consumed in fire almost they barely make it out with their life so obviously that's what the film's alluding to at the end but 
and the moments leading up to that it really goes out of like trauma and i kind of did like the fact that the daughter is essentially like losing faith in her dad and she's really really like counting on him to like be a father to her but obviously he's working too much he's not giving her the attention she would need so it's like at the end like you look at it and you notice all that's went on in their lives where he didn't show up to pick her up for school for example and they kind of have like their their moments as like father daughter and at the end of it you kind of see them all come full circle together and he's able to actually help her and they can accept each other so i kind of think also it's almost like an underlying thing like the babadook you know like the babadook how like it has more of a secondary meaning to it as well i think the devil's candy could have like a double-edged sword to where on one side we have the demonic possession aspect where the house is like driving people into insanity and on the other side of it it's like we have this like family drama to where it's like born out of like you know actual trauma and not having that support system and your family's consistently just falling apart so it's kind of like how i read it um again i really didn't like the first act i thought that the first act was a little slow um it really didn't pick up until the second act and i i do want to say i don't know if you guys haven't mentioned it yet so i'll just mention it how did you guys feel about the fire at the end uh, <laughs> okay, no, like, so... not, like, not like the fire but like the, physically the fire like the actual that was like hello it's just like i have never seen such like poorly animated effects yeah. on fire in my life okay so be- before the fire takes place though there's that there is a really intense scene where the that the big guy the killer comes back to the house and attacks him uh and like tries to kidnap the girl he 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 finds a gun from the police and he shoots the dad he shoots the mom it's a really intense moment like i i at that point that's where i was really getting into i was like oh this is getting good i'm going to start liking it and then i look at the time and there's only like 15 minutes left of the film um which we get into then he takes him upstairs and he sets the house on fire and Yes, very, very bad CGI fire. You could easily tell that there was not no fire near them whatsoever. Yeah. Um, but the biggest problem I had with this moment, and I think maybe just because they filmed it without having actual fire near them or anything close to it, is after they defeat the killer, they the house is i mean engulfed that whole room is engulfed and like uh, an explosion already happened the windows were blown out and they she jumps off the bed and they hug each other and then they stop and they sit there and stare at each other he's like hey are you okay you know let's let's i'm I'm so glad we we got through this and it's like dude get out of the house like why are you sitting there having an emotional moment in the flames when you could have already been getting yes, out. Like, yes, I said the exact yes. same thing. Well, that that is something odd. I did like about it too was the fact this film is 79 minutes. So one thing you can say is there's not an ounce of like fat on the film at all. It really, you start out, it gets to like tell you the exposition that you need to know. From there, we see them by the house. That scene's like literally three or four minutes and then boom, the very next scene stuff starts happening. So it really does kind of fly through it. 
And I think if it was any longer, it would be a little repetitive. They may they may have been able to add some more stuff in with explaining a little bit more um, of like kind of like the father daughter kind of aspect of it. But besides that, it was really like a tight, quick, kind of like witty kind of film because it was the runtime was like seventy nine minutes, one of the shorter films. Yeah, it it did it did go by really quickly, but. At the same time, I didn't get into it until the last 15 minutes. That's really the only part that I liked about it. I I did not like the beginning of it at all. It felt slow because nothing was really happening. Like I said, I, I like whenever stuff happens from start to finish and or at least in between. I don't like it when it tells you everything you need to know leading up to one specific moment that happens. And that's what the film is based around. It's just that last moment. I don't like films like that. Like, give us more than just one one particular thing. All right. Well, overall, so my my analysis of what I would think of the film would be essentially um, the two, the, again, the two-side motif kind of going. I didn't like the first maybe like 15, 20 minutes of it. But overall, I mean, I thought it was pretty solid. I thought it was a pretty um, interesting watch. Definitely was one of those watches that's not like a easy watch. It's more, you know, detailed. Um, probably go seven out of ten would be my score on this one i can wow. i'm going i'm i'm going i'm going with a five i'm going with a five out of ten i like it was a little slow until like probably the last 30 minutes of the movie but the last 30 minutes i really enjoyed um but yeah i'm i'm gonna go five out of ten because it was well done. Like, I thought the acting was great. Um, but it, it was a little slower for me. But at the same time, it was still intense, though. The, those last 30 minutes were were pretty good. So I give it a five. Not not a horrible movie at all. I, I mean, I liked it for the most part. Yeah, I just want to know. Okay, so this guy is a pretty big guy. He doesn't move very fast at all. He's very, very slow. Right. How did how did people not get away from him? Like, how, I don't understand how he got so many people. Like the cops. Like he just walks up and and starts like taking out these cops and stuff whenever they could have easily taken him out or gotten away from him of some sort. I just if I don't know, it was strange, but um. Like I was saying, I, I didn't care for the first half. The, the last 15 minutes when he finally breaks into the house and and starts taking over everything, that's when I really started liking it. And I was kind of hoping the whole film would have been in that in that same vein. But um, I just wasn't enough there for me to really enjoy. Uh, I, I give it a 4 out of 10. Oh. Um, so 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 16? Is that right? Uh, four, and then what'd you give it? A seven? A seven, seven, five, four. So that's 16. Yep, 16. Yep. 16. All right, so right now the barn is in first place with 17. The Devil's Candy is in second place with 16. And then... Uh, lastly... <laughs> <laughs> And certainly least. <laughs> I'm kidding now. Um, 13 for the Night of Something Strange. So right now we know the current links. This could all change. Literally, it is anybody's game right now. 
So what we're going to do is get the will going and we're going to see how it goes. We know the clear winner is definitely not the the latter. Let's just say that. All right, we are going we're going to spin this wheel. We're going to find out who the official winner of the Fright Fights podcast is this time around. Um let's start with Mike this time. Mike, uh, da, da, let's da. spin your wheel. All right, or Mike. The the barn. Right now you are in first place with 17 Come points. Come on, 10. Come on, 10. Negative 9. <laughs> 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 wow, that's close to ten. That's close to ten. No, I what I love about the most is that there was like a cl- it all, like the will clapped whenever I did it. It was just like we have a winner. Negative nine. <laughs> Negative nine. Oh, that's, that's what that means, Mike? Solid. Right? I'm a loser, baby. You got eight <laughs> points, so you are at eight. I, I hope you guys get negative ten, and I still win. <laughs> Um, can I just be honest? I'm very, very nervous because this is just one step closer for the night of something strange to win. Yeah. And that's freaking me out. So all right. Tyler, you go ahead and spin that wheel. Oh, I'm nervous. I don't want to. <laughs> Here we go. No! Are you serious? I was so no. Yes. That was no. It was the will move extra. I don't care what, what anybody says. <laughs> it, Negative six. So you are now at ten. I'm you so bad. 10. I still beat the barn though. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Oh man. I'm so, so no. I just have to get a positive. If I just have to get a positive and I win, that's all I have to do. I I this episode is over. This is it. I can't. There's no way. That we can say the night of something strange has just won this podcast. There's just no winner, way. winner, chicken dinner. I cannot. <laughs> we cannot say that. I'm, okay. I. Okay. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. All right. Here spin we go. It, spin it. Spin it. Uh, the first one doesn't count. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Dude, Are you serious? Yeah. Woo! The barn Oh my God! So two. The barn. The barn wins. No, it doesn't. I win. <laughs> no, I'm saying. Oh shit! Wait a minute. <laughs> You're right, Mike. What? You, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm always a winner, baby. <laughs> even, the will even says it. It says we have a winner. That's me. me. I'm the winner. Me. <laughs> I cannot do this anymore. I'm done. I'm okay. dead tired. <laughs> so, all right, listeners, I want you to know. That the night of something strange is the winner of our two B episode of Fright Fights. How do you feel, Chris? Very happy. Very happy. <laughs> hey so guys, bad. for the win for the win with this, everyone everyone go out and get an STD. All right, guys. Good night. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we are we are one hundred percent behind everybody going out, checking out night of something strange at the same time you're around some zombie stds so that's 100 yes. just yet yeah, given so awesome mm-hmm. well this was a really fun episode um we know that the one that won clearly shouldn't though chris anyway 
So check us out. We are on iTunes. We are on Google Play. We are on any kind of podcast platform, Spotify. Definitely follow the show. Give us a rating that does help the algorithm tell us that you like our show. And we'll boost our ratings. So definitely check that out there. Check it out. And, check um, it out. We're excited to come back for the next one. And Chris is actually going to be picking. So we're going to see what he's going to be picking for next time. But for yeah, now. Actually, hey. next time the next time is going to be a little different because we're moving into October. And uh, we like to do 31 horror movies that we've never seen in 31 days. So basically what we're going to do for the next episode is we are going to every single day or at least throughout the days, we're going to watch horror films that we've never seen before. And we will do a quick review. Each one of us will do a quick review of the films we had watched from October 1st up till the day that we record that podcast. And we'll do it in multiple parts. So we'll do like part one, part two, or maybe even part three, depending on how many times we get to record. Um, but we're going to watch 31. Each of us are going to be challenged to watch 31 horror films within 31 days of movies that we've never seen before. Um, so we'll just give you a quick rundown on those movies and what we think of them. And hopefully you guys, uh, if you're listening, you guys can join in as well. You guys can do the challenge and watch 31 horror movies you've never seen in 31 days and um, talk to us, you know, give us a comment on there of what movies you've watched and maybe even some recommendations that we could check out as well. Um, but that's what we're going to be doing for the month of October. And then after that, we'll get back into the normal of battling films that we pick uh, in the month of uh, November. So with that being said, so this Halloween, what you need to do is you need to go to the barn. You need to eat some devil's candy and enjoy a night of something strange.